0: Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cries, Two men, 15 minutes, oh, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. On, Hello, Edwin. Hello, Andrew. It's Friday, it's which
1: It's not only Friday, but do you know what today is? Today is June the 4th. Yes, but not only that, what else? Today is the 200th episode of season two. 200th episode of season two. two. You have been doing this for 200 episodes just this season.
0: And I wanted to do just 199. I was really hoping this could be a best of show. No, 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 nope, no. Nope. But We're you just won't do it. I will not. We've got a problem with our sound engineer. <laughs> we need to pay him more. <laughs> Psalm 40 is where we are. But I do know that we have a special translation to read our psalm today. Yeah, So that's kind of nice. This, this is, is the cool. first time I think we've done this in this... 200
1: episodes. In 200 episodes. I am reading, this is, C, I'm,
0: I'm reading from the Septuagint. All right. And I'm trying to see who this translator is. I forgot to look that up before we turned the mics on. Of course, the Septuagint was a translation done by uh, ancient Jewish scholars translating the uh, Hebrew Old Testament mm-hmm. into Greek for the benefit of the diaspora Jews.
1: Yeah, so this is Zondervan's version. It's a it's an older version of Zondervan's um, the Septuagint in Greek and English. So, of course, actually, because it's from the Septuagint, this is actually Psalm 39 there. Good to point out. Because you remember back Psalm 9 and 10 were combined in in the Septuagint. So, so Psalm 39 in the Septuagint, Psalm 40 for us. No, just kidding. I'm I'm actually going to read the English (laughs) translation of the Septuagint uh, from Zondervan. For the end, a Psalm of David. I waited patiently for the Lord... And he attended to me and hearkened to my supplication. And he brought me up out of a pit of misery and from miry clay, and he set my feet on a rock and ordered my goings aright. And he put a new song into my mouth, even a hymn to our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall hope in the Lord. Blessed is the man whose hope is the name of the Lord and who has not regarded vanities and false frenzies. O Lord my God, thou hast multiplied thy wonderful works, and in thy thoughts there is none who shall be likened to thee. I declared and spoke of them. They exceeded number. Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. Whole burnt offering and sacrifice for sin thou didst not require. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the volume of the book it is written concerning me, I desired to do thy will, O my God, and thy law in the midst of mine heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I will not refrain my lips. O Lord, thou knowest my righteousness. I have not hid thy truth within my heart, and I have declared thy salvation. I have not hid thy mercy and thy truth from the great congregation. But thou, Lord, remove not thy compassion far from me. Thy mercy and thy truth have helped me continually, for innumerable evils have encompassed me. My transgressions have taken hold of me, and I could not see. They are multiplied more than the hairs of my head, and my heart has failed me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, draw nigh to help me. Let those that seek my soul to destroy it be ashamed and confounded together. Let those that wish me evil be turned backward and put to shame. Let those that say to me, Aha! Aha! Quickly receive shame for their reward. Let all those that seek thee, O Lord, exult and rejoice in thee. And let them that love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified." But I am poor and needy. The Lord will take care of me. Thou art my helper and my defender. O oh my God, delay not.
0: All right. So a couple of things are a little different in that translation. Mm-hmm. Not just the, uh, the numbering uh, being Psalm 39 in the Septuagint. But I have to say, one of the passages that uh, I really have paid attention to as we've been reading this week is verse 6, all right, of Psalm 40 and verse 6. And in everything I'd read until the Septuagint you just read, there's been mention of ears. Mm -hmm. My ears, you have opened, the New King James reads. One of them said, my ears, you have pierced. Yeah, that was the
1: NIV, so let me just comment on that quickly. Some have the idea. Apparently the, the statement here is something like literally you have dug an ear. And some take that to refer back to the uh, bond servant law in the law that said if you were a servant and when it came time for you to be freed dur- at the at year mm-hmm. seven or at the Jubilee that
0: you, you could you could say, no, I want
1: to stay. I want to stay with the master. And he would take you up to a doorpost and and pierce your ear. A hole in the ear uh, with an all and um, and and so some people think it's referring to that. So that's ah. what the NIV translators were referencing. So okay. this, this literal statement is "You've dug an ear." Most today though think that they've gone astray on that. That it's it's not referring to "You've made me your bond servant," but it's rather the idea that "Look, you've provided me with an ear that can hear."
0: Okay, and so you, the connection being, being he, "He who mm-hmm. has ears to hear, let him hear." Yeah,
1: either you've cleaned out an ear that was stopped or you've provided an ear
0: you you've you've channeled the ear canal and so the significance of that would really lead to an understanding verse six sacrifice and offering you did not desire that's the same Uh, you've opened up an ear for me so now I can hear this I can appreciate this Uh, burnt offering and sin offering you did not require of course where I was going with this though was that and that's actually quite interesting in and of itself but it was different in the Septuagint. Very. It said a body you have prepared for me. And so instead of one organ getting a treatment from God, my ear being pierced or dug out or what have you. This this is bigger, the idea of a of a body. You yeah, so the Septuagint has you have
1: given me a body, a body you've prepared for me. I will tell you, it's above my pay grade to talk about really the differences between the Septuagint and the Masoretic. I will
0: just point this out. Before we just dismiss it. Back uh, up. Back up. All right. You just said Septuagint versus Masoretic. (laughs) What's the difference between those two things? All right. All right. I called you on Deuteronomy 17 yesterday. You can call me on that today. So,
1: yeah, so the Masoretic is is the Hebrew text that our Old Testaments today are based in on. In our English Bibles. And the Septuagint. They're translating
0: Hebrew to English, yes. And that comes from the Masoretic
1: text. Yes. And then, of course, the Septuagint, as we said earlier, are the Greek uh, versions of the Old Testament that we have from, uh, from and those ancient old. times. they're old.
0: They're actually before the time of Christ. They're in circulation and popular use at the time of Christ in the first century among the Jews. So I'm just gonna drop a bomb on you so that folks can study this on their own.
1: And that is is that we have a tendency to say that, oh, the Greeks changed it, because obviously the Hebrew text has this. However, the Masoretic texts that we have come from way later than the Greek texts that we have. Right. And we we can talk about Uh, The the reasons why we can trust our Old Testament, because we can. There's all kinds of reasons that we know. When we start looking at these differences, there are very, very few of them, especially in comparison to other ancient literature. But we just have to accept the Bible as we have it, and we need to accept these documents as we have it. And here's one of those places. And so I do just want to throw this out. It may not be that the Greek changed it. It may be that the Masoretic. Ha, right. has, has has changed, changed because that. because our records of the Greek are actually way, way older and, and maybe based on an older Hebrew that in this one instance has shifted a little bit. Yeah. But at the same time, there's also, recognize this, m- might you understand how when a person is using an ear, mm-hmm. how someone might see that as synecdoche? Are you going to hold me up and say, hey, wait, 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 what does that mean? So, I should. <laughs> I should. Synecdoche is that what? figure of speech that means part for the whole.
0: Yeah, one part representing the so
1: whole. So somebody, it, it, it's actually not a leap to go from ear to body. We, we've give, You've given me an ear. Okay, well, at, by synecdoche, you've given me a body. And so that connection is really not all that far off as it seems to us. However. As a figure of speech. In yeah. the New Testament, In the New Testament, this really plays out importantly for us. because And you couldn't stay away from it yesterday, so go ahead
0: and bring it up today. Yeah, so in the book of Hebrews, uh, which is a book rich in explanation of the types of shadows in the Old Testament that were all pointing to Jesus Christ and his fulfillment of these things, as the Christ, as the Messiah, then as a better high priest, when we get to Hebrews chapter 10— The Hebrew writer quotes from Psalm 40 here in this context of showing a better sacrifice and an ultimate sacrifice indeed that Jesus Christ is. And so when we come to Hebrews chapter 10 and uh, verse 1, the law having a shadow of the good things to come, not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have seas to be offered? For the worshippers once purified would have no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. It's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. And then he demonstrates how this is so in verse 5. Therefore, when he, that is Jesus, when he came into the world, he said... Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me, and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come, and the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. So the go head wider. wider go ahead and read the next couple of verses for me though, okay. before you stop. Verse eight. Previously saying calling back in Psalm 40, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings, and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He keys in here in his um, teaching, in his theological point about the significance of the sacrifice of Jesus. The body given is the body of Christ sacrificed. So the Hebrew writer
1: anchors in the Septuagint translation, which is why that's what we wanted to read today. Today, yeah. So I, I pulled from that. English. It was an English translation of the Septuagint, but he, he pulls from this Septuagint version and he says, look at this. Do you see what this says? Do you see what David said? Now, we recognized yesterday that David is, is actually talking about himself. He says, this book of the law was pointing to me. Here I am. And because of that, because of what the law said, this is what I'm doing. I've, mm-hmm. I'm delighting to do your will. It's in my heart. I'm going to yeah. obey you just like the law said the king is supposed to do. But now the Hebrew writer reading through this psalm sees this statement and he keys in on body mm-hmm. from the Greek Mm-hmm. Translation. He keys in on body and he says, aha,
0: I know a king for whom God prepared a body. Yeah. And a special aspect of doing the will of, the God, of God is about sacrifice. Sacrificing that body, a sacrifice once for all that's going to uh, fulfill and replace the shadows, Hebrews 10 begins, of the sacrifice of animals, that the blood and bulls of goats cannot accomplish what the sacrifice of Jesus does.
1: And so it seems on the surface, what the Hebrew writer does with this psalm is the exact opposite of what the psalmist was doing, where the psalmist is saying, look, you didn't really want sacrifice. What you wanted was obedience. Mm. I mean, yes, sacrifice is there when we disobey, but what you really wanted is obedience. Whereas the Hebrew writer seems to be saying, what you really wanted was sacrifice, but you wanted this one sacrifice. However, I think the way Which was also obedient, (laughs) which was also obedience. I think the way that we connect that, though, is the point is, is that actually God didn't want sacrifices from us. He wanted obedience from us. How does he get that? He gets that. Through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was sacrificed, we can have the strength to obey and overcome sin. Because of the one offering, he can get rid of all other offerings. He said, You didn't want sacrifice and offerings. And so you made a body for me, and I've come to do what you said about me, which is to get rid of sacrifice by being, not just offering, but but being the ultimate sacrifice powerful
0: picture of jesus in the psalm it certainly is and a powerful picture of what obedience means that he learned obedience through the things that he suffered and making this sacrifice and in following christ to do the will of god obedience can be costly we lay it all down that we may take up an everlasting life with him. It's
1: been a good week here in Psalm 40. I hope this has been helpful. I hope as we've turned to Jesus at the end of this psalm, you're so thankful for his sacrifice so that you don't have to offer those kinds of sacrifices. But I tell you what, this Sunday, we're going to be among the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue, and we're going to be offering the sacrifices of the fruit of our lips. We're going to be worshiping God, singing God, praying to God. We're going to be participating in the supper of the Lord, remembering the sacrifice. We'd love for you to be with us. You can find out more about that at ChristiansMeetHere.org.
0: Let's go ahead and wrap up today with a prayer. Our great God and Father, we thank you, Lord, for the day that you've given us. We thank you for the week and these discussions we've had in Psalm 40. And Father, we are mindful of the fulfillment of Jesus, of this psalm. We see him in so many ways about the blessing, about the care, about mercy and sacrifice. And certainly, Father, that he came to do your will. And We are humbled by his example, and we call him our Lord and our King. We want to walk in that path, a way of obedience that brings glory to your name. And Father, we thank you for your scripture and your revelation that we might know your will. And please bless us as we would follow it this day. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today.
0: I'm Edwin Crozier, and
1: I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutes, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. Have a fantastic steady, day.
0: Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ
1: is captain of the mighty throne.